This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. It's 11 o'clock. This is Toronto Today. Mike Hogan in for Gareth Wheeler today, keeping you company until uh, Scotty Mack's appearance on the radio station at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, lots going on. We'll get into baseball, obviously, with uh, with the interesting story uh, by John Morosi today. Uh, we'll get into that in a couple of seconds. And Scott Mitchell will join us a little bit later on in this hour to discuss the story, the tweet, they got everybody in Toronto talking. Uh, we'll get into that, as mentioned, in a couple of seconds. Also on the show today, uh, Glenn Suter will drop by, a TSN CFL analyst. And uh, as we speak, the Canadian Football League is dusting off a new commissioner, uh, a guy who played with the Argos for a year and change uh, back when Schultze was on the team. They were offensive line mates together. Um, so... Um, uh, we will talk about Andy Ambrosi, Randy Ambrosi and what he brings to the office uh, that may have not been there before. I, I, I guess when you're looking to, for anybody who runs any league, you want to see a, a number of boxes checked. One would be, well, does he care about the product? Well, a guy used to play in the league. He's a Canadian. Yeah, he does. The business background is very impressive. We'll get into that with Suter a little bit. And we'll talk about the on-field product as well. As the Argos get ready for a game up in Ottawa on Saturday night, 7 o'clock, you'll hear the game uh, from TD Place. Um, so that's coming up at about 11.15. Scott Mitchell at 11.30. Um, Luke Wildman will drop by as TFC is on these airwaves tonight. 7.30, they are in Orlando um, for the uh, for the game tonight. And uh, we'll, we'll get the preview from Luke. We'll find out what happened against Dallas and um, also a, uh, a kid from Brampton is making a lot of noise on and off the field. Positive on the field, not so much off the field for, uh, for Orlando. Uh, we'll talk about Kyle Aaron as well. And Josh Lewenberg will join us at about 12.30. And uh, J. Lou will, will kind of, I guess we'll get a big picture look at the Raptors, who were busy on the weekend, certainly. Uh, it was a busy couple of hours when we heard Ibaka was going to sign and then Lowry was going to sign. And both contracts made me exceedingly happy. The fact that they got Ibaka back makes me happy. Um, in this era of the NBA, when you have a guy who can play the four or the five, can rebound, isn't afraid to go in and bang bodies, can block shots, and stretch things by being able to shoot the three, and you bring him back, I am pretty happy with that. And the fact that they didn't go more than three years with Lowry stunned me. I did not think that Kyle Lowry would not come back here for less than five years. So when I heard, not only do they get him back, um, their best three-point shooter. I mean, there, there's a, in this era, again, uh, you need him going. Can they beat Cleveland with what they have now? Hell no. Can they beat Golden State? Hell no. They still have some work to do. But you've got a guy back, a key part of the puzzle, in Lowry, and you didn't give him too much term. Yahtzee, you're not sitting at him with a, as, as a 36-year-old point guard, probably with the better days behind him, saying, oh, man, I wish we had that cap space. Well, you don't have to worry about it. Very good deal. And the, Ibaka's back. Now what do they do? Can they get rid of Carroll? Can they move 
Valanchunas? Do they want to move Valanchunas? Still questions to go. So we'll get into sort of the big picture stuff uh, with J. Lou, and that's coming up at 12.30. But I guess the tweet that got everybody interested today, as far as the Blue Jays' perspective is concerned, uh, John Morosi, uh, who is good at getting clicks. Um, he is a guy that is very provocative. Sometimes he's right. Sometimes he's not. From MLB Network and, and Fox Sports. Tweeted out this morning, just a couple of hours ago, um, I was listening to the final hour of Naylor and Landsberg when the tweet came out. And um, sources with the car, uh, sources, sorry, Cardinals interested in Josh Donaldson, but they have had no formal trade discussions with the Blue Jays. I would think that any contending team would be interested in Josh Donaldson. I mean, when he's on, and he really hasn't been this year, but when he's on, he can play. And for a team that considers itself as more than just a one-and-done team, a team that's thinking, you know what, we have a two- or three-year window where we think we have a shot at winning a World Series. Uh, Donaldson becomes a perfect player because he's not a rental for one year. You know what you're getting next year if you want him back and don't want to trade him again. Now, this leads to the big question, and it's a question that I know Blue Jay fans have been asking, and that's what do you do at this stage of the season? And it's, it's not an easy. It's not an easy question to answer. Do you stick around? Do you keep the band together for one more run this year? And then at the end of the season, see what the hell happens. It's tough, man. It's You want to do it because when you look at the standings and you say, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, they're not that far out of it. When you look at the standings and just look at the number and you're, you're trying to figure out, is this team still capable of making that push to the wild card spot? They're five games out of a wild card spot. Which, with all, well, most of July, all of August, all of September left, it's half a season. You've played 83 games. You've basically got a half a season to go. There's a lot of baseball to be played. But there are some concerns. One, is this team ever going to be healthy altogether? Two, are some of the underachievers going to get it going? And see, even when this team is healthy and happy and ready to show up at work every day, is this team good enough to put together a substantial run or two? Which is going, it's, it's going to take that. They're ten and a half behind Boston. And even though there's half a season left, are you good enough to pick up three games a month plus, almost four games a month on the Red Sox, or a game a week? It doesn't sound like that much. But you're not going to pick up a game every week. There are weeks where the Red Sox are going to be good enough, and they've certainly shown lately that they're capable of putting up a bunch of runs. Look at the night Benintendi had last night. They're going to score some runs. They're going to go on some streaks of their own. They're going to go and knock off five or six or seven wins in a row. So are the Yankees. That's just in the division. Houston's still the best team in the American League by a considerable margin. And then you've got those other teams who are in the same boat as the Blue Jays, but maybe on a little firmer ground right now. The Yankees, Tampa, 
Cleveland and or Kansas City and or Minnesota and or Seattle and or the Angels and or Texas. They're all kicking around. Could Detroit go on a run? They, they're capable of scoring a bunch of runs. Can they prevent them, though? That's the question. Does Detroit go out and get a pitcher? If you consider that Toronto might be looking to add at this point, what the hell are they going to add and what the hell are they going to give up? Are you going to part with Vladdy Jr.? No! That'd be dumb. So here you are in a position where you're in the chase position, where you don't have a deep organization, where you don't want to part with your top young prospects, and even if you do, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to catch the teams ahead of you in the standings. Now, do you go so far as to blow things up? Yeah. Now we're hearing all this, not all this talk, but we're hearing discussion at least about trading Marcus Stroman, which I don't get. I mean, the only thing that I could think of is if you have a management team, and there is no indication that this is the case, but I'm just I'm, I'm spitballing here because I don't know why they'd want to get rid of him. That you've got some people within the organization who are a bit old school who see a guy who's four foot seven as a starting pitcher and say, yeah, I want bigger guys out there. I think that the I think that they can handle a little bit better, which is an old, old, old school mentality. But I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody within the front office that looks at him and says, that guy's just going to break down. I don't know. Other than that, I don't know why the hell you'd want to get rid of him. So now you've got some questions. You're not going to be able to move to Lewitsky. I mean, you're just not. Who wants to pay Troy Tulowitzki 20 million bucks next year? Oh, and they've got to pay him 20 million the year after that. Oh, and they have to pay him 14 the year after that. Who the hell wants to pick up that contract? You're not going to move Troy Tulowitzki. You're stuck with him. There are some nice pieces to the puzzle with the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know if there's enough of them. And this is where the guys who get paid to make the tough decisions have to make a very, very tough decision. And if Josh Donaldson is in play, and what we what we learned from the Morosi uh, story and tweet this morning is that there haven't been any formal discussions. Well, the Cardinals might be interested. And again, who wouldn't be? You think the Red Sox and Yankees wouldn't love to upgrade at third base? I don't see that happening within the division. But the Yankees have a ton of prospects. I mean, if you could sit there and just poach a couple of their top prospects for Donaldson, would you do it? Man, that's tough, because you know what Donaldson's like when he's on. Problem is, when he's been in the lineup this year, he hasn't really been on by his standards. 42 games, 8 home runs, 238 average, 20 RBIs. A lot of that has to do, obviously, with the health concerns. This has not been a good year for him. Which also raises the question, if you're going to deal Donaldson, why would you do it now? Why would you deal him at absolute low value? 
These are not easy questions to answer. Do I think the Blue Jays have a hope in Hades of winning the division this year? No. No, they're not going to catch Boston. They're just not. Do I think that they have a chance? The dumb and dumber. Is there a chance that they could make the wild card spot? Sure there is. There's a chance I could win the lottery. Don't see it happening. Tough to win the lottery when you don't buy tickets. So you're telling me there's a chance. Thank you. Yeah! Thank you, Scrizz. I don't know if there's a chance. That's all I'm saying. We'll we'll get into this a little bit more uh, as the uh, as the program continues. Uh, as mentioned, Scott Mitchell is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. I'm just I'm curious as to what Scott has heard in the hallways. You know there are always rumors circulating uh, circulating around a pro sports franchise. Could be in the front office. Could be with the players. But the walls usually talk. Sometimes you don't get very much out of those walls. But there's always something going around. I don't know if there's much smoke. And I don't mean the first baseman. I don't know if there's much smoke. I don't know if there's any fire around this story. Morosi's a very good provocateur. He certainly got some clicks today. But would they be willing to trade Josh Donaldson. We'll, we'll get into that uh, at the bottom of the hour with Scott Mitchell. Uh, as mentioned, uh, TFC on the radio station tonight. And uh, Luke Wildman, part of the broadcast crew, obviously. And uh, we will talk to uh, the play-by-play dude uh, as they take on Orlando tonight. Uh, we'll get some of the uh, some of the TFC stories. Also, uh, some of the stories about Orlando, a very prominent member of, uh, of that soccer team from Brampton. Uh, we'll get the story about Kyle Laren and also uh, coming up Josh Lewenberg at the bottom of the 12 o'clock hour. And we'll get into the uh, into the Raptors offseason as well. First up, though, um, a news conference being held as we speak to announce the new CFL commissioner. Uh, congrats to our next guest for not getting it. Glenn Suter from CFL on TSN joins us. How are you doing, Suits? <laughs> well, Hoagie, how are you? Uh, very good. How, did, did, you talk, did you get as far as an interview? No, no, I didn't. Um, I, I had talked to uh, some through through a couple of very good sources that um, were in touch with the search committee, and I, I heard at that time that Dwayne Dwayne Ford uh, and myself were two guys that they may target uh, through the process and and get to that interview stage. And I was obviously um, honored to be even in the discussion, and that I would have I would have done that. Had it got to that, but uh, clearly they found their guy along the along the way, and and before it got to to me or Dwayne, I believe, and um, and that's cool. Like I, you know, I've I've been saying, I've been saying from the beginning of this that we've gone long enough with picking a guy or a commissioner, finding a commissioner that just didn't have enough background in the game itself, and yeah. you know, and that that was always my concern. That it was another search for a CEO from the states or somewhere that didn't know the game but knew business, and I thought that it's time in the league's history where we find a guy or girl that knows the game, and a former player, coach, owner, player, you know, uh, general manager. It doesn't matter, but someone who knows the game was has been 
financially and emotionally engaged with the game of football in our country at some point in their lives, and, and they've done that. So when the name and Randy Ambrosi came up, uh, I will admit my first reaction was, didn't he play for the Argos? You know, he was he was here for a year and change, yeah. and you know, I don't remember most of the eighties <laughs> for various <laughs> reasons. And um, uh, so, so when I did the digging, okay, yeah, that's the guy. And then I looked at his business background, and I went, "Holy smokes! This 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 should be the guy." He checks basically every box you want checked. Yeah, he really does, and that's what I did too. I mean, I I think I did the same thing. I went and did the research on him. I mean, I played against Randy, yeah, yeah. and yeah, he was at that time Argos uh, drafted by Calgary. Spent some time in Edmonton. Was on that great sixteen and two Edmonton team, and I remember that year fondly. Um, yeah, yeah. But the you know the bottom line is he does check those boxes. He's he's a guy who has the experience as a former football player who who has has had his his income and you know raising his family um, dependent upon the game mm-hmm. uh, has played the game he's loved at the high level but not only that was also involved with the CFL Players Association mm-hmm. he was actually involved in the leadership group of the CFLPA when a collective bargaining negotiations was going on um, you know he fought at at a time when the league went to expansion into the U.S. He fought to maintain the Canadian ratio because there was a lot of discussion at that time that uh, they should just scrap it because there's going to be U.S. teams and how do you balance it. And he he fought to maintain it and knows the importance of uh, the Canadian in Canadian football. And then, as you mentioned, has uh, has the background in those businesses um, that you talked about after his football playing day. So I think he does check a lot of boxes. He sounds very well-spoken. Um, you know, thoughtful, like he, I just saw bits of, of the press conference that's ongoing and, and some of the questions that he answered, including the one about player safety was very well thought out and mm-hmm. uh, well-spoken. So I, you know, I'm going to be optimistic. I think when there's new leadership in a company, no matter where you work, you're optimistic that there'll be positive change. Glenn Suter joining us from the CFL on TSN. Randy Ambrosi is the new commissioner of the Canadian Football League. Aside from getting bums in the seats on the waterfront in this village, what's his biggest challenge? Well, you know, I think it's relationship building, and and that goes in a lot of different categories. It's it's relationship building with, first of all, the most important asset of the game, which is the players. And so the Players Association, he has, a, you know, a firsthand knowledge and great background in it. He can sit down with the leadership group and the Players Association and, and can say, I've been on the other side, guys, and this is what we need to do, and here's the transparency with regards to the league and the finances of the league, and, and can be beginning the negotiations for a new collective bargaining agreement immediately. Um, and that's not for a couple of years yet. He has to build the relationship with amateur football in our country, and, and that get, answers your question, or, or at least since it's in the direction to answer your question, which is putting fans in the stands. You know, I think what we haven't tapped into as a league, and and this is in every market, not just in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, but as a league is, is to just connect and support amateur football, the kids playing touch-and-flag football from six years old all the way up to when they start playing tackle, at, you know, at, at a young age, and then up to 15 years old. I mean, those are kids that absolutely love the game of football. I think the role of the commissioner is bigger than just supporting the CFL. I think the role of the commissioner is is is, is partly to 
grow the game of football in our country, period. Um, you know, to, to build that young fan base of, you know, like Kent Austin always says, the low-hanging fruit is, is the kid that's eight years old playing flag football, guy or girl, that loves the game and should be sitting at Argo games watching it, and, and they're not. And that's where I would start, and I think, you know, if Randy can grow the game of football in our country, it'll spill over into kids buying tickets. And it's certainly there. I mean, uh, the, it's working in Hamilton, it's working in Ottawa in this province, so two out of the three boxes are checked. Um, the great news facility, obviously, in Winnipeg, and you got an opportunity to be at the Lidlifter in Regina. Um, I'm envious. Tell me what it was like. <laughs> state-of-the-art, uh, outstanding, from the locker room to the media rooms to the press box to the field to the uh, amenities, the great, huge, wide-open concourse where people can gather during the game, uh, you know, all the facilities. I didn't hear any complaints regarding food lines and washroom, you know, amenities and things like that. So it, it, it state-of-the-art as good as it gets, the designers were the same guys who designed the the stadium in Dallas, and okay. have and are also working on the stadium in L.A. right now. Uh, so you know they they've got some expertise, and it's fantastic. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And you know, I, I you mentioned seeing it happen in Hamilton. It happened in Ottawa. I I watched it firsthand happen here in Vancouver when the late Bob Ackles took over in Vancouver. At that time, the BC Lions were really struggling at the gate. I mean, we're talking, you know, the Toronto scenario right now. And that, you know, changed when Bob Ackles reached out to community football. And we saw tons of Lions camps. We saw off-season Lions speaking engagements with these young football programs, you know, just across the province. And slowly, over, you know, two, three years, those kids started coming to watch games, and those kids started to build a fan base to where there were 30,000, 35,000 people who loved the game of football, may love both the NFL and the CFL as at the professional level, does, doesn't matter, but they loved the game, and this was their chance to see the game live in their backyard, and they were there. And that's what the late Bob Ackles did here in Vancouver, too, in a hockey-crazy town like Toronto, uh, it can still happen. I saw it firsthand, and I think it can happen in Toronto too with the right management. But and, and, you know, I, I don't know anybody who didn't like Bob Ackles. I mean, he was he was just yeah. that guy. And and you you know, not only did he have what you mentioned, and he had that great affinity for the sport. He started as a water boy. I mean, he, he loved the sport. Works his way up, runs the team. But he had that group called the Water Boys, where he was bang on with the corporate community. Yeah. So he yeah. got it. Like at every level, he got it. He yeah. was a fan. He was a guy who worked with the franchise. He was a guy who ran the franchise and every stop in between. And, you know, here in Toronto, man, I would I, I know they tried that under the Rudgers regime where they tried to get more of the corporate community. And it's a tough sell in this market. But if Ackles can do it, there are some pretty good people in this market, some of whom are currently employed with the Argonauts, who can get that done. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that impressed me most about about Bob Ackles was that I sat in some of those uh, Waterboy meetings. That's oh, and cool. you're right. That's what they called him. And when it first started, he asked me to come, and uh, I sat in with those. They really were creatives. They were creative meetings, and we would sit there with business leaders, and we'd go around the table, and it would and Bob would basically ask what we thought we could do to 
grow the game. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was a complete open discussion where he would listen to as many ideas as possible. Some were implemented and some weren't. But um, I, I just found that it's, it's hard to not be on board. It's, it's hard to not sort of buy in when your input matters. And people that have different expertise and different perspectives can come with an angle that you may not have thought of. and Because one of my concerns, Ogie, in Toronto is not necessarily where they're at right now as far as attendance. Yeah. My concern is I haven't heard what the plan is mm-hmm. to fix yeah. it. From, from short-term to long-term and everywhere in between, I haven't heard publicly what's the plan to, to you know, improve the relationship with minor football, to get those kids out, to put together a package like here in B.C., where for $5 a kid from 12 and under can go to a, a Lions game all summer long. Perfect. Uh, because they're trying to fill the end zones with these kids that are on summer holidays, come and see a football game, it's a great way to spend your evening. And, um, you know, those kinds of initiatives, I just, I'm not hearing anything. That that concerns me more than the current situation. I really think they can climb out of the situation, but what's the plan? And if you don't have a plan, it's okay to say you don't have a plan. Just get help from those around that have a passionate, um, you know, are passionate about the game and, uh, you know, and, and have been invested for years, whether that's in the business community or not. Uh, you know, I, I've always said that the Disney Corporation never asked me as a parent raising two kids to buy anything. What they did is they talked to my kids, and my kids sold <laughs> me. <laughs> awesome. Yes. So, so, again, Hoagie, you know, I think if you work at it from that angle, when you're talking the corporate involvement, and, and you get a whole bunch of kids really crazy about the game of football and, and coming to see Argos games, all of a sudden, Corporate Canada is phoning you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're saying, hey, I want to be involved in that. You've got a cool phenomenon going on. How do I get involved with that? Yep, and that's uh, that's what we're all hoping for here, certainly. Glenn, a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. I know I know you'd probably be watching the uh, the commissioner's uh, speech, uh, so you can go uh, back and rewind it and watch the rest of it now. Thanks so much, pal. Will do, Hoagie. Thanks. Thanks, Glenn. Glenn Suter from the CFL on TSN. And uh, we started out talking about the uh, the addition to the Canadian Football League. Right at the top, the new commissioner is a guy who played with the Argos for a year. Uh, two years, he was hurt for a lot of it, but uh, one full season with the Argonauts, Randy Ambrosi. When we come back... Uh, uh, we will keep talking about Toronto sports here on Toronto Today. Scott Mitchell joins us. Some big news via Twitter today. We'll find out if there's fire to go with the smoke. That's next as we continue with Toronto Today here on TSN 1050. Eleven thirty-two, twenty-eight before noon. It's Toronto today. Mike Hogan with you. Top of the hour, Luke Wildman on TS, uh, TFC, and we've got Josh Lewenberg at twelve thirty. We'll get some Raptors talking. Big story in Toronto today. Um, a tweet, I guess, from John Morosi talking about Josh Donaldson. Our next guest hopefully can shed some light on that. And I, I, it doesn't take much to confuse me, but this is bad because we got Scotty Mac here. Now we got Scotty Mitch TSN on Twitter. This is getting confusing for me, Mitchell. <laughs> well, I, like you said, it doesn't take much, so I, yeah, I can't good say point. I'm shocked by that. Yeah, that's true. The bar is set very, very low. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Good. What's, day. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think of the Morosi tweet when you saw it this morning? 
Uh, well, I mean, that's not unexpected. I mean, it's it's uh, been rumored for a while that the, the the Cardinals have had interest, and then they have they have a hole at third base. I mean, they 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 DFA'd uh, Johnny Peralta earlier this year. They're, they're starting third third baseman, and they've had uh, they've had uh, Jed Jerko playing there, and then some different pieces, but. Um, the, the Cardinals are, are one of those teams that uh, they're they're looking to make a splash. They're they're in the thick of things in the uh, in the NL Central just because of of the way the, the the Cubs have kind of fallen back to the pack this year, and and, and they look at their veteran group and and they probably think that uh, that they can make some noise with with an addition like that. And, and they do have a, a decent uh, minor league system that could probably probably get a trade like that done. I I mean the the Morosi tweet was tweet was interesting because he says they've 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 got interest, but they haven't talked yeah, at all to the yeah. Blue Jays, so um, <laughs> you know. I don't even know what that means. Well, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, they're I'm discussing it internally, or yeah, I, I think that is, that's the uh, that's kind of what he's going for there, and and, and you know, I, I, it's interesting because I, I think probably. There's there's probably about ten teams that are interested in Josh Donaldson if we're being sure. real here and and we don't know that the Blue Jays have had discussions with anybody at, at this point but uh, the, the, that tweet tells me that Josh Donaldson will be a name that we're going to be hearing at the trade deadline um, whether a deal gets done I'm of the opinion that uh, you know talking talking to a few people that this this could be a wintertime trade because when you when you wait for the winter meetings you not only have the contenders that are looking you have other teams that that uh, that believe they're going to be um, a factor in the 2018 season and you, you kind of open that up and and can field a, a few more offers but then again if, if a team is going to come calling at the trade deadline offering uh, the type of package that uh, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro believe they need to get a Josh Donaldson deal done if that is in fact the road that they're going to go down then obviously you you listen and I think the Cardinals are, are one of those those obvious teams that uh, that would definitely be in play for for uh, for JD as well as the uh, two division teams, which uh, are, are a little more interesting to me because the New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox both have huge holes at, at third mm-hmm. base, and the question becomes whether the Blue Jays would uh, even consider dealing them within the AL East. The first thing I think we can all be thankful for today, Scott, is this isn't a hockey situation or a hockey mentality because Donaldson's not in the lineup today. <laughs> can you imagine what it would be like uh, if this was hockey and a, and a star player wasn't in the lineup uh, the day that he's being r- rumored to be traded? That, that all hell would have broken loose. Um, uh, broken loose. When, when you're talking about dealing him hypothetically as a guy in his early 30s, 31 years old, he's got another year on the contract, but he's not having a great year. Injury's obviously a big part of that. What's his haul right now if they were to put him on the market? It, it's huge. I mean, 31 years old uh, for a baseball player is, is not over the hill by any means. Yep. And Josh Donaldson has uh, he, he's battled some nagging injuries. He, he had a hip injury last September that really uh, sapped his power. And he's dealt with, obviously, the, the calf injury that, that left him on the DL for six weeks. And um, you you look at him out of the lineup today, and and I, I think he's been battling a little bit of a knee issue. He missed a game in Texas uh, a couple of weeks ago with with that knee, and and you look at his struggles, and it's and it's probably not uh, not too tough to to put two and two together and and say maybe maybe something's ailing him at this point. But um, you put that guy on the market 
considering he plays a uh, a fairly premium position at third base and and you look around the league and, and look at what other uh, other third baseman that, that could be available and he's far and away um you know a former mvp he's far and away the, the top guy in the market so i mean i think you you would look at you would they would want uh, some sort of young um player that's that's major league ready and then and then uh, a package of, of prospects and uh, the the name that keeps coming up when you do talk about the um the st louis cardinals is alex reyes a mm-hmm. guy a, a you know a terrific young starter who underwent tommy john surgery in spring this year he was slated to be part of their rotation and um you know he'll be back uh, he'll be back a, a year next year in 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 uh, in spring training or, or shortly thereafter so I, I think when people try to put together pr- prospective packages from the St. Louis Cardinals. It starts with him, and then you and then you dig into their minor league system and and, and find a couple more pieces. But um, if if Alex Reyes is what we think he is, I think that's a pretty good start if you're considering dealing Josh Donaldson. Scott Mitchell joining us uh, from TSN 1050, TSN.ca, and you see his uh, reports on television from time to time as well. Um, I guess we have to break this down twofold: one on the field and one off the field. Um, we know that the town has reinvigorated its love affair with the Toronto Blue Jays, and the success the last couple of years has been a major part of that, and Donaldson has been a major part of that. On the field, I don't know if this team is good enough to get into the playoffs this year. So, on the field, off the field, would it be a mistake to trade him? I don't think so, for the for the right package. Um, you're not trading Joss Donaldson just for the sake of trading him, sure. especially with that that 2018 season already uh, already signed you you have him next year if you don't decide to make this deal now or in the winter and you know there there are so many variables at play here because you can look at where they sit right now but it's not hard to envision a, a quick turnaround if, if they went into the winter and, and decided to, to fix their corner outfield spot um, when you look at uh, Aaron Sanchez Marcus Stroman and Jay Happ signed and atop that rotation and Roberto Asuna in the bullpen. Um, you know, there's been talk this week that, that the Blue Jays are, are ready to, to make that uh, make that hard turn to a rebuild. Um, but I don't know that that's a, that's a certainty because if you don't get the, the, um, the offers that you're expecting or want, um, you're not going to deal these guys just for the sake of dealing them. I, I don't think it would be a mistake to, to deal with Josh Donaldson, but it's a, franchise altering package that you're expecting yes. in return and you have to make that deal and you have to do it correctly or you know you're going to set this rebuild if that's the direction they do go you're going to set it back because he's your biggest piece and you have to make a type of trade that you're getting two three four pieces that are going to be a, a big part of your future for the next five to ten years the diehards are obviously going to be with the team through thick and thin. They they might be uh, a little more patient with the with the dealing of Donaldson, but then you get uh, the trendoids, right? The guys who and girls who are here for the last couple of years because they're winning. They'll go out in center field and drink beer, and you ask them what the score is. They don't know. They don't care. They're just having a good time at the ballpark. Um, is there a danger that maybe you affect that Johnny Come Lately fan um, if you make this deal? There's definitely a danger, and and that's I think what everyone's trying to weigh right now because obviously the, you know the, the success of the past couple of years has been in stark contrast to, to what um, you know Blue Jays fans dealt with for the the previous ten or fifteen or I, I guess maybe even twenty years um, previous to that. So I, I think there's there's definitely that factor at play whether 
Rogers and, and Mark Shapiro um, believe that to be a factor or if they are saying we're going to rebuild, do it right, and the fans will come back when we start winning again. Um, that's another consideration. I, I'm of the opinion that I, I think that uh, when you look at what is going on with the, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe people are more open to a rebuild at, at this point in time, just seeing how um, sustain, sustained success and, and young players you can get excited about, not just for a, a year or two or three, but for the long term. I, I believe that people are starting to see how, how exciting that can be. And uh, when you look at the Cleveland Indians team that, uh, Mark Shapiro is, uh, you know, very, was very hands-on in, in building. Um, that's a that's a very exciting ball club that uh, obviously uh, poached one of would have uh, a, a huge fan favorite in, in Encarnacion from from here to be able to supplement the core that they've built. And uh, you know, I think people would get excited about seeing a, a Francisco Lindor type player every single day. But um, you know, I, I think if uh, you have to endure some sh- some short-term pain. For that that long term gain and that sustained success, I, I think that's something uh, that they're probably willing to to do, just based on the fact that they hired Shapiro and then that's his resume. Uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. What's the timeline on him? Well, it's going to be a couple more years. Yeah. You're going to you're going to be able to see him Sunday in the Futures game, yeah. and, and um, my my, uh, my prospects update will will be up here shortly on TSN.ca, just outlining how how the top ten prospects in in the system are, are doing each week. And and Vladdy had another terrific week and and got named to the Futures game along with Bo Bichette. But uh, they're they're clearly going to take it slow with these guys, and and they need to take it slow. I mean, uh, baseball development isn't uh, isn't you know hockey. It's not you go back for one year junior and then you come up and you're, and you're in the lineup this is uh this is going to be a slow burn and and even though these guys are, are terrific prospects uh they need that and, and they're in low a right now and and they should move up to, to high a dunedin at some point um this month in july and then you know they they finish off the the season there and then they'll head right back there to, to start next year and then once you get to that double a level which if the development continues at, at the rapid pace that it that it has over the last uh, year or so. You could you could see them in in Double A by maybe potentially um, next summer, the end of next summer, and then once you get to that Double A level, you're a call away because a, a lot of a lot of top prospects skip Triple A. So um, we're looking right now at at, at likely 2020, um, but um, top prospects with their type of pedigree have been known to push the envelope. But uh, if you're expecting them before 2020, uh, you're probably, uh, you're probably going to be disappointed. The, uh, the, the final question, uh, when you look at the Leafs, they got lucky and won a lottery and that, that, that really helped the rebuild uh, accelerate in terms of time. Um, the Raptors did it the old fashioned way. They, they found a way to unload a couple of untradeable contracts and, and Masai Ujiri with, with Rudy Gay and Andrea Berniani trades just absolutely turned that franchise around. With Shapiro and Atkins, can they go into that bag of tricks and move Troy Tulowitzki's contract, which to me seems unmovable? Yeah, that one's going to be a tough one. And, and if you do find a, a taker for Troy Tulowitzki's contract, it, it's going to look very similar to, to the trade that, that brought Troy Tulowitzki here. Obviously, they had to, <laughs> yeah. to unload Jose Reyes and, and, and get rid of that contract and give up a couple uh, a couple prospects in order to, to make that deal happen. And 
um, you know, Troy Tulowitzki at that point was even looked upon as a, as a much different player than he is now, just with his struggles over the past, um, not only this season, but, but even last year, it's just not, uh, it's not $20 million production that he, that he's bringing. So if, if you do find a taker, um, it, it will look very similar to, to a deal that, that we've seen even, um, with the Vernon Wells deal. You're going to have to bite the bullet and, and, you know, pay, pay some of the salary, um, either that or, or send profit prospects away or take a, a bad contract um, in return. So it's uh, it's going to be a tough one. I, I really think that uh, they're just going to have to ride it out with him as well as Russell Martin, who's who's also obviously making $20 million. I don't think you're going to find a taker unless you start to get creative. I always enjoy our conversations. Uh, enjoy the Yankee game this afternoon, and we'll, we'll be in touch. Thanks, Scott. All right, thanks, Bob. You can follow him on Twitter at ScottyMitch. TSN, uh, covering the Blue Jays for TSN, Scott Mitchell, Scotty Mack, Scott MacArthur will be in at 1 o'clock, and uh, you've, you've heard how confusing it gets when those two are in the studio together. It just, it's, it's, it's very confusing for a simpleton like me. Um, Luke Wildman's going to join us at the top of the hour. We'll get some TFC talk in. They are on the radio station tonight, 7.30 against Orlando, and uh, Josh Lewenberg will join us in the next Hour as well. We talked a little bit about the deals that Masai Ujiri has made in the past. Um, what can he do before camp opens? We'll see if J. Lou has any insight to that as we continue with Toronto Today, right here on TSN 1050. Eleven fifty-one, nine minutes before noon. Mike Hogan in for wheels today. This is Toronto Today. Coming up at the top of the hour, uh, Luke Wildman will join us from TFC. On this radio station at 7.30 tonight, you will hear TFC and Orlando as the Reds uh, try to get back after their uh, loss in Dallas over the weekend. Uh, and they've got, well, they've got two weeks off, right? Gold Cup is coming up. So I'm, one of the things I want to ask Luke is I know when a, when a football team has a bye week, Sometimes you can start thinking ahead a little bit. You think of uh, hockey or baseball or basketball when the All-Star game is coming up and you've got some downtime and you want to just get away. Um, Some of the players are doing so much planning to try and get away that maybe the prep for the game isn't where it should be. And I'm wondering if that's the case here. Um, With with a chance to break... I mean, the the, the MLS season is so damn long. Well, start you, you start camp in January and you wrap up in November. Like that's a long season. So if you get an opportunity to get a couple of weeks to go and plop on a beach somewhere or just go home and see your family, uh, if you if you're not from this area, I mean, man, I can understand why guys' heads might not be exactly completely focused going into the game tonight. So we'll 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 talk to Luke a little bit about that and uh, more on uh, Kyle Laren on and off the field. Um, local kid does well in one aspect of that scenario and made a pretty bad mistake uh, a little while ago. So we'll we'll talk to Luke about that. And uh, again tonight after that at eleven o'clock, Andy McNamara with CFL Weekly uh, that you can hear uh, week uh, weekly obviously, here on TSN 1050. Uh, also coming up, Josh Lewenberg will join us in the next hour. We'll get into uh, into the Raptors and just uh, uh, all kinds of scuttlebutt going around. They've done well so far. Pat Pat leaves the fold to go to OKC. Um, 
I'm still intrigued what happens with Carroll and even more intrigued what happens with Valanchunas. Because there is a certain element of fandom, certainly, that would like to see them move away and use the money somewhere else. Is Pirtle ready for primetime on a regular basis? I, I like the fact that he is who he is, right? He's a guy who can defend in the paint, will get you some rebounds, will, you know, get, get you some putback points, but he's not going to kill you with threes. You know who he is. Um, and the thing that I like about him, and I, I do like Valanchunas, let me underscore that. What I like more about Pirtle is he's a better perimeter defender. And if you're playing Cleveland and you've got Fry and Love on the court at the same time, for instance, uh, that's a team that can three you to death with its bigs. And if you get that kind of defender out there, along with Ibaka, um, it changes what you can do defensively. And whoever they get in to play the four. Or the three, depending on what the alignment is. So there, there are a couple of bodies that need to be brought in. We'll find out what J. Lou uh, has found out. Uh, an opportunity for you to get out of your lease with your vehicle ASAP. Over 200,000 customers per month. 200,000 are looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com. So that's what's coming up. Obviously, we'll get a ton more baseball talk. Uh, interesting discussion uh, with, uh, with Scott Mitchell about what may be ahead for the Toronto Blue Jays as they come to this, I guess, this, uh, this meeting at the pass uh, between themselves and reality and what is the best for this organization at this time. Is it to trade Donaldson? There will be offers. There will be some pretty sweet offers on the table as well. What if the best offer comes from the Yankees? Do you make that deal? What if it comes from the Red Sox? Evil Empire, Evil Empire Light. Do you just jump anyway? I would think so. Donaldson, they take them, let them go win their World Series or choke in the World Series or whatever they do over the next year and a half. And then reap the benefit. The Yankees really loaded up the toolbox and the toy box last year with some prospects when they made some deals at the deadline. And maybe the Jays can benefit from what the Yankees did a year ago, as bizarre as that sounds. When we come back, we'll get some soccer talk and some basketball talk in as we continue with Toronto Today. My name is Mike Hogan. You can follow me at TSN Mike Hogan on Twitter. This is TSN 1050.